blessed Sunday to all of you. It's good to have you with us today. Good that you tune in to our online worship service. We certainly welcome you to do it again next week. Before we receive God's word today, let's ask God for his guidance in the following time. Let us pray. We thank you, Father God, for this time that we can share together to dwell in your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Cause us to arise after hearing your word, to be doers of your word, and so glorify the name of our Creator God, our Father in heaven. We ask in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. What can we see with our eyes? Certainly, there are many things we can see with our eyes. The people around us, maybe the furniture around us, and if we are outdoors, we can see the plants, the trees, and even the sky, or the traffic that's making their way to whatever destination. We can see with our eyes all these things because these things are on the outside. And we believe whatever we see with our eyes, these things that are on the outside. What can we not see with our eyes? I'm sure there are things that we can't see with our eyes. Thoughts of the mind, we can't see that. Feelings in a person. Even the motives behind a certain set of action, we can't see these things that are on the inside. In the recent few years, in South Korea, we read of celebrities, including singers, some of them are young people who have committed suicide. They have had struggles within them, perhaps feeling lonely inside. And some of them could be experiencing some kind of depression, but they do not show it. It is all on the inside. On the outside, they have to appear all right. As we turn to today's text in the Gospel of Mark, it's a narrative that starts from the outside. And, but Jesus is going to turn our attention to the inside. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have came all the way from Jerusalem. And they saw something that the disciples of Jesus did not do. They did not wash their hands before they eat. And they questioned Jesus about it. And Jesus, in replying to them, quoted from Isaiah, the prophet, and went on to rebuke them. After he had spoken to them, he went on to address the crowd, telling them that it's not the outside that makes a person defiled on the inside. And in the privacy of a house, he went on further to explain to the disciples what it was all about. Before we look at the text, I suggest we can pick up three things today from the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to your Bible, to the Gospel of Mark chapter 7, starting from verse 1. We're looking at verse 1 to verse 23. And the first thing I believe we can pick up from this text is, Reclaim the inside. Reclaim the inside. You see, the Pharisees observed a lack of ceremonial washing by the disciples of Jesus before eating food. Their hands were defiled 
They should go through this washing as according to a ceremony passed down according to the traditions of the elders. Let me read from verse 2. They saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. You know, today, if we did not wash our hands, that's terrible behavior. In our health climate today, we are supposed to wash our hands. But notice that they were not concerned about hygiene. It's more than that. Because it's ceremonial washing. And in the editorial input, we find in verse 3 and verse 4, explaining what this is all about. What is this ceremonial washing all about? And therefore, we can deduce that the intended readers for the Gospel of Mark are not Jews because they have understood what ceremonial washing is about since it has been handed down from generation to generation according to the traditions of the elders. The intended readers were the Gentiles. Verse 3, The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat until they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. They believe the defiled things on the outside can make a person unclean on the inside. And verse 5, So, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples huh, live according to the tradition of the elders? Instead of eating their food with defiled hands. Hmm. And so Jesus, in the privacy of a house, as he entered, gathered with his disciples, in verse 18 onwards, he kind of showed them actually what is wrong it's not found on the outside. What is unclean is actually found on the inside. Verse 18, when the disciples did not understand what he was saying to the crowd, there's the outside things goes to, into a man's stomach and passes out of his body. But it's the things that are within, that comes out, that makes a person unclean. The disciples did not understand. Are you so dull? Jesus asked in verse 18. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within our person's heart that evil thoughts come. And then here comes the list. Sexual immorality. Theft. Murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. The Pharisees, well, they were concerned about the outside and they questioned Jesus. Whereas Jesus was concerned about the inside and he rebuilt the Pharisees. We can see that it's not just in the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but it's inside all of us that this attitude inside is completely out of alignment with God. You know, we belittle others, we make them feel small, and we steal from them their dignity and their entitlement. 
we assassinate people. We assassinate their character with the cutting blade of our words. And in wanting to enjoy more and more in life, we deprive others of what they work hard for. That is deceit. That is what makes people unclean, the things that are inside, including arrogance. An arrogant character is a person with a swollen estimate of his own powers and merits. And he looks down on others, even treats them with contempt. Well, you might have met such a person before. Thomas Wilson, the greatest of, says, the greatest of all disorders is to think we are whole and need no help. We are not whole. We are broken. We are in desperate need. And we are unclean on the inside. In his book, Inside Out, Larry Crabb wrote, and it's shown on the slide, change from inside out involves a steadfast gaze upon the Lord. That's life-changing because it reflects a deep turning from a commitment to self-sufficiency. Without repentance, a look at Christ provides the illusion of comfort. Here we are encouraged not just to look at Christ and walk away and think that we are comforted. We are encouraged to gaze at Jesus. By doing that, we turn away from our own self-sufficiency and we come to a place of repentance. If you and I want to move forward with God, look inward first. Align the inside with God. We have to, we've got to confess our inadequacies, our folly, our sin, and say something like this to God. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. You are the Son of God. Be my Savior. And remember, it is the things that come out from inside us that make us unclean. Get this inside clean and get it right with Jesus. There is no other shortcut, no other substitute, and no other way. And for this purpose, I would like to recommend reading Psalm 51. Psalm 51 from the Old Testament to reclaim the inside. Pray the words of Psalm 51 back to God too. The first thing is to reclaim the inside. The second thing we can pick up from this text is recapture intimacy. Recapture intimacy. In replying the question that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law posed to Jesus, why did your disciples eat food without washing hands first? He quoted prophet Isaiah. This is found in verse 6 and verse 7. Jesus replied them, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart, their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You hypocrites! Jesus replied them, and a hypocrite is someone who plays a role without sincerity. It's almost like a pretender with a mask on. And a person who voices lofty, noble sentiments, but 
is broken off from the real intentions of love. There's no love here. They put on their religious garments. And as religious leaders, they are the apex of religiosity. But they are actually deep down in the valley. For their inside, their inside is corrupted, in decay, and unclean. And Jesus has to highlight to us the, this tradition that is coming against the commands of God. Verse 3, verse 5, verse 9, and verse 13. It is your tradition, the tradition of the elders, the teachings of men. Not just in contrast with the commands of God, verse 9 and verse 13, or the word of God, but it's contradicting, coming against the word of God. Let me read verses 9 to verse 13. And Jesus continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses the father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let, any, let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. The fifth commandment is obvious, and that is to honor your father and your mother. But the traditions and the teaching of the elders passed down from generation to generation says, if you have devoted a gift, an offering, you come to the temple of God and you give it to God, you are relieved from giving any support to your parents, especially in their old age. Support that can be derived from this gift and property because you can't do it anymore. It has been devoted to the temple of God. Such teaching, such tradition comes against the word of God, the intention of God. Some of you may be wondering how did all these traditions and teachings come about? You see, when the commandments were given to Moses and the Israelites, they thought that it were too general as principles to be applied to everyday life. And the elders came out with a set of teachings to help people apply the commands of God in day-to-day living. It's almost like building a fence to protect and to uphold the commands of God. But guess what happened down the generations? It becomes a rule of its own and it comes against the commands of God. Their teaching is not a faithful development to the Word of God. And this is just one of the many things that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have been teaching the people belonging to God. You know, it's almost like, Korban is almost like, I vow to give something to you, God. But not that I want to give it to you, God, but to prevent someone else from having it. And that was, was really wrong with the traditions of the elders, the teachings of men. 
No wonder Isaiah prophesied, Your lips honor me, but your hearts are far from me. Of course, we may not be like the Pharisees, leading people astray, following teachings of men. But something, something else could have caused your heart to drift away. Something may have taken place. Could be someone stumbled you, discouraged you to the point that you gave up. You'll be something or someone else more attractive compared to God. Or it could be just a discontentment inside, a craving for more things, bigger, better things that move our heart towards this direction and moving towards bigger, better things, our hearts moved away from God. And we kind of allowed ourselves to flow further from Jesus. But God desires intimacy with us, with you and with me. How do we know? God has created all of us in His image. He created us male and female in His image. And all of us are equal in His eyes, precious in His eyes. But we have gone astray. We sin against God. We disobey Him. And God has to send His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the price of our sins. And that's how we know that God desires intimacy with us. Do we desire intimacy with God? Have you noticed the tagline this past three months? Our church tagline? It reads, Do less, go deep, love much, pray more. You can actually find this on our Karma uh, Weekly online. Do less, go deep, love much, pray more. The third one in particular is quite a challenge, especially in our current climate. How can we love much? How can we love God much more? How can we love others much more? How to recapture this intimacy with God? Now there's a deception in people's life. We may be tempted to think that the, the position that I have in life, our abilities, our qualifications, having a stable family, where our children are doing well in life and in their career. Even our good deeds and the blessings we have received, all these things do not add up to any ounce of intimacy with God. Even people who do not belong to God can achieve all these things, but they do not have intimacy with God. It is time to recapture true, genuine intimacy with God. Let's, let us attempt to approach God knowing that He loves us, He loves, and say to Him that we love Him. The first thing, to reclaim the inside. The second thing, to recapture intimacy. And the third, to return to God's Word. So it is not really about the traditions of the elders or the teachings of men. 
but it is about the word of God. Verse 13, Jesus saying these things. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law came all the way from Jerusalem to observe Jesus, to measure him according to the teachings of men. They came with the directory of do's and don'ts, not with the word of God. The Pharisees demonstrated, therefore, an allegiance to their community of religious leaders. They maintained allegiance strictly to this directory of do's and don'ts. But their allegiance failed to address the matter of the heart. They did not go back to the true intention of the Torah, the commands of God. It is not about observation or prescriptions. They did not shift the gravity upon their traditions back to the word of God. What is the true intention of God's word, of God's commandment? It is to love God supremely and to love others as yourself. No wonder Jesus in his prayer for his disciples recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17. Jesus prayed, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed that his disciples, those who follow him, be set apart to be like Christ. That's what sanctifying means. Set apart to be like Christ. How can it be done? By the truth. And what is truth? The, your word. The word of God is truth. Now, what does the word Bible mean? What does the word Bible mean? As I say this, some of us could be thinking in our minds, uh, musical notes. B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. It's a children's song. What does the word Bible mean? It can be broken down as an acronym. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Think about it. The Bible is God's letter to us with basic instructions for life here on earth. This letter, this Bible, is a love letter that has long been written and it was posted out long ago to us. Is this still sitting in your letterbox? Have you, if you have collected it, have you opened the letter to read it over and over again? Do you cherish this love letter from God? For inside the Word of God are endless gems, treasures buried in the deep waiting for the curious explorer. It unfolds for us the nature of God and the way He nurtures His people. Discover all of this all over again as you read the Word of God. This author in the book, Shelter of the Most High, wrote, We cannot say that we truly know God if we remain ignorant of His ways. We cannot really know God if we are ignorant of God's ways. And in order to go know God's ways and therefore say that we truly know God, we got to go back to the Word. 
you see the stagnation of our faith. Five's company in the lack of encounters with the Word of God. The less you and I read it, the less encounters with God we will have. The more you read it, the chances are higher in encountering God. How hungry are you? How hungry are you for the Word of God? Take note of what Jeremiah says. Prophet Jeremiah says in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 16, When your words came, I ate them. I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. So these are the three things we can pick out from the text. Reclaim the inside. Recapture intimacy. Return to the Word of God. And as I look at this text, there's one more thing I'd like to share with us. And it comes from a prompt from a daily thing that we can observe on the outside. All of us have gates in our house which we lock and unlock with a key. We keep things that we do not want in our house outside. We want to keep the burglars outside. We want to keep the wandering cats outside. So we lock the gate. And we want to keep things that we want safe inside. For example, our members, the members of our family, the cozy sofa that we enjoy, the lovely potted indoor plants, maybe the bling-blings and all the expensive stuff that we have accumulated. And you see, my friend, all of us not just have a physical gate in life, we have a spiritual gate and a spiritual key. All of us plays the role of a spiritual gatekeeper. The Pharisees themselves have built an institution with a solid fence, but they maintain this institution without intimacy as they pass on their traditions and teachings. They were as if tunneling into this religious ivory tower. And they let in traditions, teachings of men. They let in spiritual pride into their life. And hence, they did misguided the people. Like the ocean tides that ebb and flows. The church, God's church, is an institution to display His wisdom. The church grows, but it can stagnate and it can decline. As Pharisees, as spiritual gatekeepers, they knew about God, the Torah, the commands of God. They have the traditions of the elders, but they did not examine and checkmate their intention. Professing to know God, they missed they missed Jesus, the Messiah. Instead of embracing Jesus, receiving Jesus, they rejected Him. That's a scary thought. For when we touch the holy things of God in His institution, the church, constantly praying even in the name of Jesus, but do we really know Him? You are a spiritual gatekeeper in leadership places, in committees, in your family as a parent, you are a spiritual gatekeeper. In your corporation, in your, in your firm, you hold the keys. What have you unlocked? And open the gate for things to enter your life. Be aware of what you are doing to your gate when you open it and when you lock it. 
Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your inside. Use your key well. You see, instead of guarding their hearts, the Pharisees were guarding the traditions of men. Sad, but it is true. The Pharisees fell away from God. They despised God's command coming against it with their own teachings. And that is why they condemned Jesus, who was drawing sinners, prostitutes, unclean people, people unclean on the outside to God. In doing so, they missed Jesus completely as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who actually has the power to clean them and to clean us on the inside and cause us to return to God with intimacy. Since ancient times, God has been more concerned with the condition of man's heart than the activities of our hands. You know, after all, the religious dust has settled and all things are quiet, both on the outside and inside. What have we become? What is the condition of our heart today? Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, examine my heart today. Cast your searching light into the hidden nooks and dark rooms of my heart. Give me courage to break the patterns in my life that do not serve you. Help me to be honest with the condition of my heart and return to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.